Goldie has been the better offensive player, plain and simple. Welcome to Broadway and Clark, a baseball podcast with two St. Louis Cardinals fans talking about the Cardinals along with other broader baseball topics. I'm your host, Duncan, along with my co-host, Mark. We'll get into the weeds on players, roster construction, baseball philosophy, and the exciting baseball topics of the day. As a great voice in the game, Sarah Lang says, baseball is the best, so come have a seat with us on the bleachers and have a little fun talking about the best game out there. we're back in let's jump back into it uh let's start in uh we're gonna talk about the state of the race like we were talking about uh last episode we're gonna do that again later once we have a little bit more uh games under uh under our belt here and some time for movement and change because uh, not a whole lot's happened since we last checked in on the standings and where everything is across the league uh but we will uh get started in here with an interesting stat of the day uh, from Mark. What do you got for us today? We're going to talk a little bit about a couple of the Cardinals and what their careers, where they stand um, at this juncture of their career. But before we do that, I was I was getting some information and I happened across the uh, in ba- in, on baseball reference, which is kind of my go-to for stats. I think it's a great site. Um, and I'm, and I don't think that's news. I think everybody knows that, but, uh, the ground double plays grounded into leaders. Um, and I just happened to notice that for this season, that is, uh, Carlos Correa. But then I looked, so as I was looking at that, I, said, well, where, you know, what he's, he's at 28 right now with a month left in the season. Right. And I said, that seems like a lot. And so I looked at the career leaders for the same stat. And interestingly enough, the, uh, the same batter is number one, two, four, one, two, four, and 19, I think, or one, two, eight, nine. They start to get tied. Uh, but this batter led the league in, uh, well, led, uh, I, I believe he led the league each of these four years. But in the four years from 82 through 85, Jim Rice grounded into 120 double plays. So for an average of, um, no, I'm sorry, 130 double plays over a four-year period. So for an average of 32 and a half double plays a year for four straight years, and they were consecutive years, and he was one of the better hitters in baseball, certainly one of the better sluggers during that period. Uh, the Sox could never really get over the hump, but they uh, – but they always had a pretty good offense in those years. It was Freddie Lynn and Jim Rice and uh, uh, the catcher um, Fisk. And, you know, so they had a good team. But, uh, yeah, so I found that very interesting. And then the other leaders on this list um, are 
and and like I said, so he led in in the, the most ever was his eighty Jim Rice's eighty four season with thirty six, and he had thirty five the year the next year, um, and both of those were up from his eighty two and eighty three seasons. Eighty two he had thirty one. I'm sorry, eighty three had thirty one. Eighty two he had twenty nine. Uh, so, like I said, I think that adds up to about um, 130, 131 over a four-year span, which is insane. But guys like Frank Howard had two seasons of 29. Uh, Matt Holiday had one year. Cardinal Matt Holiday in 2013 grounded into 31 double plays, where he was arguably one of our top hitters, right? And, uh, but yeah, so very interesting. Cal Ripken Jr. in his, his age 24 year of 1985 grounded into 32 double plays. Uh, and conversely, Mahel, uh, Miguel Tejada in 2008, at, you know, kind of toward the other end of his career at 32 years old, gra- uh, grounded into, or at 34 years old, grounded into 32 double plays. So it's just very interesting. Pudge is on here uh, with one at 31 when he was 27. Uh, you got a couple of what you would expect, some catchers. Brad Ausmus when he was 33. Ernie Lombardi when he was 30. But then you also have guys that were considered to be amazing athletes, like Dave Winfield had 30 double plays grounded into at age 31. Uh, yeah, so it's so just just very interesting. Albert's on here a number of times, but his his high water mark was twenty nine, which he yeah, I was thinking he'd be higher. Yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah, you probably would think that. But uh, interestingly, though, only there have only been uh, is that fourteen one two. I guess 14, 15, 16. There have only been 18 batter seasons ever where a batter had 30 or more um, double plays in a season, and Jim Rice had three of that, three of those. So so 17% of the time in the history of baseball that a batter had 30 or more double plays, it was uh, our friend Jim Rice, who was a great, great hitter and a great ball player generally i loved him so very interesting stuff and um didn't you have a thought about why what some of the reasons that some of these guys would have so many double plays grounded into yeah so a couple of the things that i was thinking about that uh with that when you brought that up was what those numbers can tell you or what kind of context that might give um one of the things thinking about it is obviously you got to ground into uh, a decent number um, of ground balls on your batted ball percentage and everything. Uh, but then also I think it tells you about potentially potentially speed of the batter as well, which is part of why I was thinking Albert might have been higher, not the most fleet of foot. Uh, but then also um, it tells you something about the team as well that, you're coming up with guys on base versus uh, say someone who's going to bat, you know, eight, eight or nine in the lineup that most likely is going to have less people on base throughout the season. 
So if they ground out, it's just going to be uh, a ground out with no one on. And that's not going to show up in those stats or anything like that. Um, versus a guy who's batting two through five somewhere in there in the order where there's more likely going to be guys on base, a uh, better chance for there to be ground, grounding into a double play uh, in those scenarios. So just uh, something that I was thinking about as well. It kind of gives it some context that I think reaches a little bit past just the pure numbers that the stat gives you. But yeah, do you have any other things about that uh, stat of the day otherwise, uh, about the ground ground outs or anything like that? No, but I thought it was fun, and I think we will do this uh, more frequently where the one of the things that makes baseball such a great sport is that the there's so many numbers. And I guess through your whole lifetime, um, the – you know the the data driven the the uh, uh, you know the sabermetric error whatever you want to call it has been um, you know the money ball error has been a huge part of the game. But one of the things that made me fall in love with the game was uh, getting the uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch every day in my you know from probably like ten years old or eight, nine years old till you know fourteen or fifteen for about six baseball seasons in a row, one of the first things I would do every day is get the paper. And, you know, after reading the game story, if it was interesting, immediately going to the, uh, to the, you know, the agate, they call it, you know, the type at the back where they'd have stats. They either, you know, they'd have the, the box score from every game. And then especially on like in the Sunday paper, they have all the leaders and it was just a treasure trove of information. And you could, you could, you know, make yourself a mini analyst uh, just by, you know, just by enjoying and looking through the numbers. So this year we've got um, the, the, the real reason I was going to the baseball reference website was that, you know, in this miserable Cardinal season, and we know it's, it's you know, after, I mean, they salvaged a couple wins the last couple days against the Padres. Back-to-back uh, back, back walk-offs by our good friend Tommy Edmond, who... Tommy uh, boy, that's what I'm talking about. I, very, very exciting. Uh, but, um, you know, now we're back to 18 under. Uh but the other day we were, you know, we were reflecting on the fact that in a lot of fans' lifetimes, certainly any fan under the age of uh, 28, this was the worst the position the Cardinals had been in. Uh, and and I, I said 20 back. I misspoke. 20 games under 500. Right. Uh, so anyway, we're back to 18 under. I'm still holding to my my prediction of 70 and 92, which will be 22 games under to finish the season. Uh, they'll we're have on to our, on our way to 20 games back because we're 16 and a half right now. So right, right, right. We may right. end up reaching that. Yeah, very true. We could easily finish 20 or more back, but um, but yeah, if if we finish 22 under. 70 and 92. I think that's our worst record since 
I want to say 75 or something. It's, it's, it's very bleak. Very, very bleak. Man, that's sad. Yeah, it's been most fans' lifetimes. Um, you know, there's a couple of there's a couple of folks that still remember those. You know, the '64 team, and you know, watched Stan retire and that kind of stuff, but not many. Um, but anyway, the 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 one brights are a couple of the bright spots. You know, we've talked a little bit about our rookies. We've talked a little bit about you know, what potentially we might do with guys that, you know, are prospects, how we're going to rebuild, especially the pitching staff. But we have two bona fide stars that are the linchpins of our team. Uh, In the case of Paul Goldschmidt, he is now in his fifth year as a Cardinal and uh, Nolan Arenado is in his third. And uh, it just so happens that that's also the same difference in their playing careers. Um, Arenado actually, I mean, Goldie played 48 games in 2011 and with 177 played appearances. And Arenado, I don't, I don't remember uh, like spring training or whatever, 2013, but uh, I think he came up or they had identified him as their prospect. It was his age 22 season, and he played in 133 games that year. So his rookie season right out of the gate, boom, he was playing in 133 games. And I uh, had a decent season. You know, had an OPS of seven oh six, nothing to nothing to go crazy about. But yeah, um I'll take that from a rookie all day, yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah, and I mean he did, you know, he 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 struck out a lot, you know, uh as a percentage, probably more than any other well, definitely more than any other time in his career. Uh but he did, you know. He um he established himself and I'm sure he could I'm sure he could play third from the minute he hit the you know, he hit the pros. Oh yeah, when so you win Goldie, your gold glove every year you've been in the league, you you gotta be slick right, with it. Right. That pretty much says how good you are. <laughs> right. Um so so people and people love Nato. I mean, and they should, because he's a great player. But my position is is that when you look at the entirety of their careers, Paul Goldschmidt is the better baseball player. And that's, I I mean, I guess some folks might say it's a hot take. I don't think it's that hot of a take. I think it's an opinion. And, you know, like flavors of ice cream at this point, at the end of the day, it's ice cream. It's good. A good ball player. So, well, you know, that's a great, that's, that's so good. What you just said, because I was going to say something very similar that um, I wouldn't want to live on the difference. Right. Um, so, but let's, let's do a quick little dive on both of them. Right. And, uh, obviously we're looking at offensive statistics, um, defensively, they play completely different positions, although, you know, in fairness to Goldie, he's got one, two, three, four gold gloves. Um, you know, he's been an all-star a ton of times. Uh, he's finished in the top 20 of the MVP like eight times and in the top 10, like six or seven. 
And of course, we know he just won it last year. He's the reigning MVP of the NL. Uh, not as close, uh, but like you said, Gold Glove every year of his career, and probably again this year. Um, I haven't done any. I haven't looked uh, closely at the third base defensive statistics. Certainly not. I mean, obviously, just based on reputation alone, Nato wins it. And sometimes at first base, it's a little bit of an offensive award. But the point is, we're not, I'm not trying to argue who's the better defensive player. I mean, Nolan Arnott is going to go down in history as a top 10, probably, defensive third baseman. And, you know, maybe maybe quite a bit higher than that. So that's that's... That argument, I don't really have any interest in making. But I would like to mention that despite only having um, about 1,200 more career plate appearances and about 700 or so more at-bats, not even 700 more um, at-bats, Paul Goldschmidt, has um, seven more, seven more um, war. So basically, not so. So if you look at the difference between the two, as a full season plus a little bit, right? A full season plus a little bit in terms of like games played. Yeah, just in terms of how much opportunity each player has had, sure, right? Sure. And we're not going to talk about park factors, although I'm sure somebody could do a dive on that. We know that for the People first to talk about that when he was traded over here from Colorado. Yeah, so. for the first five or six <laughs> years, I guess it's six years of his career. Uh, Nato had, um, you know, he had a favorable advantage playing in Denver. Everybody knows that. Um, but. Over the course of their careers, like I said, basically Goldie has had about a, a year plus, a year plus maybe a quarter's opportunity, and he has produced exactly seven more war, right? Hmm. So if given that, so that, that translates to what, about a six? a 5.8, something like that on an annualized basis. So basically what you're saying is Nato would need to have a, a five or six war in one of the year. You know, if, if Goldie retired the end of this season and Arnato played another year and a half, whatever, he would need to rack up five. And at this point in both their careers – it's less likely. Right now, Arnado has, or Goldie has a 3.4 so far this season, and uh, Arnado has a 2.7. So neither one of them having their best year. Uh, OPS plus, which is a great number. It, it normalizes uh, OPS down to where 100's the average batter. Uh, uh, Goldie's at 126. Arnado's at 119. Right, career. Goldie's at one forty-three. Arenado's at one twenty-three. OPS career. Goldie's at nine ten. Arenado's at eight seventy-five. Obviously, all the counting stats favor Goldie because of his um, longer, you know, having more opportunities. 
But even if we even if we looked at that in terms of a ratio, uh, almost every single one of these is going to favor uh, Goldie. Goldie's got 157 career stolen bases, which a lot of people probably wouldn't guess. To um, Arenado's 25, you know, it's a 10 to two difference this year. So it's about a six times difference in their careers. And it's a five times difference with uh, our not uh, with uh, Goldie at his um, just shy of his 36th birthday. He'll be 36 on the 10th of September and uh, not oh, four years younger at 32 turned 32 in April. So, you know, it's it's when you actually break down their production as hitters. Goldie has been the better offensive player, plain and simple. And, I mean, RBIs is probably where they're the closest in their careers. Uh, Arnato's at 1055 and Goldie's at 1121. But you have to understand, Goldie has been a number two hitter a lot and a number three hitter a lot, whereas Arnato's been a cleanup hitter almost his whole career. Um, maybe on some of those Colorado teams, he was the three, he was the th- number three, but he's rarely hit in the one or two hole. And uh, of course, Goldie's been in, you know, at, with the Cardinals, he's been hit number two quite a bit. So I just wanted to bring that up. I know that, when it comes to the flashy defensive plays, I mean, Arenado's got a, he's got a trunk full of highlight reel plays that we all just, every time it happens, you know, the texts start flying, people start talking about it. Oh my gosh, did you see what he did? But I think it's interesting that over the last three seasons, the guy picking the ball on the other end or stretching for it, or reaching up high for it on one of those amazing plays has been Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think you bring up those like more highlight reel plays from third base. The the more uh, what you would I would guess would call like Gold Glove winning. Uh, you know, you talk about like your Heisman moment in college football. What you're like? What's your Gold Glove moment for baseball? Those those kind of moments at third base like you said, are going to be much flashier moments than a gold glove moment at first base. You know, to the to the average viewer just watching a game, you just see it as, oh, all right, well, they just, he stretched out a little bit and grabbed that one. No big deal. But it's it's a lot more subtle in terms of what he does for the rest of the infielders versus Arenado ranging to his right and, you know, running into foul ground and, thrown on the run across his body or something like that. That's There's a lot more happening there. Um, but I, I think also, I think, you know, to the, the point of the different flavors of ice cream kind of thing and the argument there, uh, they're really different kinds of uh, players altogether, but certainly hitters too. So you brought up war. I think that certainly uh, speaks to the difference in where that war comes from, Arenado certainly more that war is coming from his defensive side of the ball. Uh, although he is absolutely an offensive threat, as 
we well see, given that he and Goldie were, what were they, one and three, I think, last year on the MVP voting. So obviously he's a phenomenal hitter, and I could watch him. I could watch nine Nolan Arenados every day and be more than happy. But there's certainly different types of players. Like I said, the the war more so comes from his defensive side of the ball, but also looking at some of that stat, stat cast data for each of the players and everything as well. You can just see how different of types of hitters they are. Um, and you kind of talked a little bit about where they hit in the lineup, but Goldie, while, while both of them are still what you would probably consider a power hitter, Goldie is much more of a a doubles power hitter um, versus Arnado. I would think you would consider him a little bit more of a home run threat versus just a pure average doubles power hitter. So Goldie has that more all, more of an all-around profile. Um, and the specific stats that I'm kind of looking at here is um, their K percentage, walk percentage, the two big ones, So and what percentiles they're in. So for strikeout percentage, Goldie is in the 47th percentile, just, uh, just below average there. Um, Arnado, 81st percentile. Uh, as far as strikeout percentage goes. Um, walk percentage, Arenado's in the 24th percentile for walk percentage. So, And Paul Goldschmidt on the opposite end of the spectrum in the 86th percentile as far as walks go, which is partly why the Cardinals are probably hitting Goldie ahead of Nolan Arenado because he gets on base that much more, takes his walks, versus Arenado getting up there looking to do damage uh, instead of just purely getting on base as well. Um also, I look at looking at the whiff percentage, chase rate, all of those kind of things. So a couple of those are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum as well. Um, Goldie being on the higher end of chase rate, so he's not chasing after a lot of pitches. He's in the 66th percentile there versus Arnato in the 20th percentile there. Again, kind of going up there with the idea of looking to do damage, maybe chasing after a few other balls because you're trying to... Um, make an impact with your at-bat versus being a little bit more patient um, and taking a walk um, versus going up there with your A-swing for all 10 pitches you see that at-bat or something like that. Um, So those are some of the things that I look at there. Um, Hard hit percentage, too, is actually kind of interesting as well, Um, a, a little bit opposite of what I kind of would think, I guess. Uh, given kind of the profiles that I just kind of laid out there, Arnado being up there looking for more, to do more damage, his hard hit percentage is a little bit lower in the on the percentile scale uh, at the 44th percentile versus Goldie at the 94th percentile hard hit rate, which is really interesting for a guy that maybe is more willing to take his singles going the other way uh, versus going up with the A-swing uh, every at-bat and trying to hit a home run or a double uh, to the wall every time. Um, so interesting. It just, I guess, shows that he's got that much that much phenomenal bat-to-ball skills um, that he barrels it up uh, that often um, and, and hits it hard. Well, um, I'm glad you said that because... That is what makes the – I mean, and, and just to support a couple of the things you said, career home runs, uh, Goldie's only 12 ahead of Arenado. So when they're all said and done, uh, Nolan Arenado probably is going to hit more home runs. But both of them have a solid shot at 400 homer career. 
Um, I mean, for Goldie, you know, like I said, he'll be 36 in a couple weeks, and he's going to be about 60 homers shy when the season ends probably. Uh, but he, I just feel like he's the kind of player, obviously he plays a defensive position that's a little, you know, a little less taxing on the body. Uh, he could always go to the American League and, and be a DH because he's such a great hitter. But hey, we got the uh, DH now too. He can stick around. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I think both of them are going to get close uh, and probably both of them, you know, given health, will eclipse 400 home runs. Uh, both of them have a solid shot at 1,300 RBIs or more. Uh, outside chance at 1500. So I think both of them, uh, I've seen some recent things, Will Leach, a couple other guys in national media. I think uh, uh, Tim Kirchin in the athletic, or no, I'm sorry, Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal in the athletic uh, has Goldie on his just about, you know, almost a lock for the hall. Um, you know, obviously some of those hall stats, you know, winning an MVP, that kind of thing, being on a world right. series champion, although Goldie hasn't won a series yet, has he? I don't think either of them have. Um, but, uh, hopefully that'll change in a Cardinal uniform soon. Right. But, uh, but anyway, I think both of them have, you know, are, are solid, you know, mid to late career players who if they continue to maintain their level or their natural decline to their production probably are going to be about as close as you can get like is you know are like when you think about Scott Rowland just getting in and a lot of people you know it was it was a somewhat controversial election um but I think at the end of the day, completely justified. I watched him in 04 and he was as good a player as there was in the national league that year. And I'm talking about on the same team as Albert, uh, Pujols and career and Jim Edmonds having, I think his career season. That was when we had what three of the top four, or maybe we went one, two, three in the MVP that year. Uh, maybe bonds got the MVP and we went two, three, four, whatever it was. But my point is, is that for me, it's the purity. It's the discipline of Goldie. And this is how I got on this whole kick. Because again, amidst a miserable season of Cardinal baseball, a couple of weeks ago, Goldie is on third. Let me make sure I have this right. Or was he on second? No, he's on third. A ball is hit back to short, and I can't remember who we were playing. But Goldie was sent. He broke on the he broke on the hit. You know, I guess maybe we thought it was going to be more up the middle. I don't know exactly what the decision making on that was, but he was dead to rights at home. Uh, Nato's on first, and. Uh, I forget who the hitter was. It must have been Contreras, right? And uh, so Goldie breaks for home. He's done. He's dead. Looks like a bad play for the Cardinals. So what does Paul Goldschmidt do in that situation? He proceeds to force the catcher 
and the you know third baseman, shortstop, whoever else, to put him in a rundown where he stays alive long enough, not only for Arenado to get to third, but for Contreras to get to second. So if you think about it, it could have just been either a double play, because we know that Nato's not the fastest runner in the game. So the ball goes to shortstop, shortstop goes to second, who goes to first, double play. But because Goldie breaks right away, now, do I know if he if he planned that all along? I don't. But he took what could have been a horrible situation and got the most out of it. And that's what I think makes him in my mind, a little bit better baseball player overall. I mean, I'm never going to argue against Nato's amazing skills at third. And the and he make. I look at Arnato as an unconscious player. He makes plays that you know, like my favorite player of all time, Willie McGee. He was unconscious. He didn't think about what he was doing. He just played baseball. He just went out there and did what he did and got as much as he could out of tremendous natural ability. And, I mean, not that brains and all that isn't part of that when you're that at that level. Same thing with Arnato. But Goldie, to me, is the next level. He's like the savant. You know, he's the guy that— Somewhat like Yachty was. Exactly. Oh, very much. And I'm sure those two, you know, have the highest respect for each other. And I would love to listen to them just talk baseball. Yeah. And Goldie has no, you know, he's got no ego. He's, he, you know, he's not, he doesn't play any of the media game hardly at all. He's not, he's not nasty about it, but that's just not what he's interested in. And that play a couple of weeks ago for me was the, I mean, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And at the time I was watching it, but I wasn't listening to it. And so after the game was over, I just flipped on the, the, you know, the post game show just for a few minutes and sure as shooting, they're talking about this play and they're talking, they're just marveling. I think it was Brad Thompson, but whoever it was, just marveling at Paul Goldschmidt and and his understanding and you know and and the, the unsung nature of that play and how there's no statistic that measures that. But right, it's never going to show up. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you want to, if you want to make the argument that you know you like chocolate better than strawberry, or whatever, in that you know you got ten examples of Nato doing things like that. I mean, I'm not going to say, well, fine, I got 20 of Goldie. But but I just think, for me, that was a moment that reminded me. You know, like last year when he won the MVP, he kind of faded in September. He had such an amazing first five months or whatever, you know, April through August. He had such an amazing season that he could just be an average hitter in September and still, they had to give him the—I mean, they wanted to give it to somebody else, but there was nobody else to give it to, right? I mean, yeah. I, f- I forget who it was, Machado or whoever it was was close. But yeah. Goldie was so far out in front that even fading at the end, he still won it easily, right? Yeah, and, it's like looking at his at his year this year. It, I mean, it seems like he's having a bad year, but truthfully, he's really not. Um, no. I mean, it's, it's not even his worst year. It's tied for his second worst year. 
as far as OPS plus goes, excuse me, third, um, throughout his entire career. But, I mean, he hasn't had a single year of his entire career uh, with an OPS below 800. So, I mean, that guy's incredible. That's crazy. Yeah, we were, I was looking, I I was uh, sharing with uh, some friends, you were included, the other day when we were looking at the 95 Cardinals, which was the last time they were 20 games under 500, and they actually won, uh, it was like on the 28th of September, and so then I think they either won two or whatever to finish the season. I think they actually finished the season 19 under, I think it was 62 and uh is that right 67 whatever it was 62 and 81 it was a shortened season because it was the year after the strike and they had to um it was a year after baseball you know the worst year in the history of baseball uh i guess maybe after 1919 but um or since 1919 but it was the year remember that the season ended in august or whatever um, and we didn't have a World Series. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the next year was the shortened season because they didn't settle until, you know, sometime in April, I guess it was. But um, uh, but I think they finished 62 and 81. So I think they finished 1900. But I was looking at the, the team that year. We had three our three outfielders. We had Gilkey, Langford, and Brian Jordan that uh, were just slightly over. 800 OPS. But then we had one hitter who was in the 700s, and then that was it. And then we had some guy, you know, a few few other hitters in the 600s, and then that was it. I mean, we're horrible, horrible, and we didn't have any pitching. I think our 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 the most wins any pitcher had that year was um, was nine. I think it was Ken Hill or whoever. I'd have to look back at it, but it was it was just a really pathetic season, and and this year's not much better. I mean, obviously, but uh, we, um, you know, this year we've got like five guys that are hitting, you know, that have OPSs in the sevens, and then we got Goldie and Nato are both in the eights. You know, like I said earlier, eight twenty seven for Goldie. And um, which for him is quite a bit down and uh, 810 for Nato, which is, you know, fairly significantly under his his career average. So uh, not a great season for either one of them, but still and, you know, and they pass the eye test. Right, Dunk, when you go to the ballpark, uh, when Arnado or go, you know, you don't go to the bathroom or the concession stand when either one of those two are coming up to hit. And, uh, I mean, that's another thing that you just look at and say, which, oh, by the way, uh, Paul Goldschmidt drafted in the 49th round in 06 um, out of the Woodlands High School in Texas. I think that's Houston, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And uh, three years later, uh, he made it, he rose all the way up to the eighth round after going to Texas State University, uh, a traditional college World Series powerhouse, as we all know. Um, And then uh, Nato, I think, pretty famously uh, was a second round pick straight out of El Toro High School 
in uh, Lake Forest, California, which I believe is Southern California, right? And at the LA area. But um, yeah, yeah, somewhat close. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So just uh, just an interesting look at our two best players who I believe they're both locked up, well, Goldie for two more years. And then uh, I think we have Nato through the through the twenty seven season, so I think we have four more years of him. Uh, but I would love—I mean, I hope—and I think this is true of Paul Goldschmidt. As long as we are respectful of him, I bet we get another contract—a two or three year deal. You know, so say he's—you he's, know, year thirty seven season. Next year will be his year thirty six, and I think the following year will be his year 37. Um, what does this say? He signed through 24. So I'm sorry. So we only have him through next year. Correct. Uh, five years, 130 million. So what is that? 22 a year. Um, is that right? 22? No, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that's uh, 25. Yeah, right around 25 a year, right? Yeah, that'd be one, 26, I guess. Yeah, 26 a year. So could we get him to sign a two-year deal for $40 million at the end of next year, maybe? Uh, or a two-year deal for $45 million? Um, I would be completely on board with that. And that would be three more years and some of those counting stats we talked about, 400 home runs, uh, 13 to 1,400 career RBIs. Uh, He's at 1,891 hits right now, so well over 2,000 hits, you know, close to 2,200 probably in the next two years plus. Uh, just just an outstanding ball player, and I hope that he ends his career uh, with the Cardinals. I totally agree, and I think um, just deep diving on this only uh, highlights even more the importance of this year kind of being a wake-up call of, all right, let's, uh, let's get it together so we don't have any other hiccups like this year was and potentially risk a guy either – quote-unquote, having to leave uh, because you think you need to trade so that you can, um, you know, recoup some value or something like that to um, reinvest in the team or something like that, or for a guy for his contract to expire and say, I'm not going back there. Um, And you talked about Goldie being on uh, Ken Rosenthal's, you know, nearly in the hall uh, list and everything. I think we probably want these guys retiring with the birds on the bat. So um, I think this just shows even even more so how important it is that we really get it right next year, uh, keep these guys in uniform for us and um, so they can retire as Cardinals and, and go, go into the hall, hopefully both of them, um, with an STL on their hat and um, not go somewhere else and win a title there or something like that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, yeah, that that was fun. Um, Unfortunately, not a whole lot of guys, other guys on the roster. Uh, I know after the season's over, we're going to uh, break down Wayno's career. Um, 
And uh, maybe we'll look at a couple of mid-career guys, you know, or early to mid-career guys like uh, Tommy Edmond. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, other than that, we really don't have anybody. You know, I guess Wilson. We could look at Wilson, uh, compare his one year with us, especially offensively, to uh, his, you know, the his body of work uh, with the Baby Bears. But, um, yeah, this was fun. I like this. Yeah, no, it was good, especially with the season, like you said, being as terrible as it was this year. I think it's nice to be able to look at some of the bright spots and let's try to have a little bit of fun uh, here for the rest of the year and um, looking at, at what we have on our team and being appreciative, appreciative, excuse me, uh, for the good things that we do have uh, on the team right now. Amen to that. All right. Well, All I right. look forward to talking to you soon and, uh, and seeing where these races go. Um, in some ways it's kind of fun to watch them when your team has zero involvement. Very few ways, but some, I'm trying to look on the bright side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, I got to get out of here. All right.